Greetings. Welcome to the Autic Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Chuck Randolph, Autic's Chief Security Officer. Through 30 years as a military officer and over 20 transforming corporate security teams to function beyond their traditional roles, protection, risk management, and threat mitigation have been front and center throughout my career. This podcast series will explore the turbulent world of risk, security, and protection strategies through conversations with leaders and innovators in the field. Now, let's get to the conversation. Ryan Schoenfeld is the founder and CEO of Hivewatch, a security technology company reimagining how companies keep their people and assets safe. With past experience in security operations, consulting, law enforcement, and as an end user at a Fortune 500 organization, Ryan recognized the need for security leaders to be more aware, connected, proactive, and informed. Hivewatch helps do just that. Ryan, welcome to Ontic's Protective Intelligence Podcast. Thanks for having me, Chuck. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think we spent a little time at ISC West. Uh, I, I did with you and in, in the Hivewatch team last year. So I've been looking forward to like figuring this out and, and having you and getting perspectives uh, on the podcast. So again, I appreciate the time. It, I realize how hard sometimes it is to get to get people in, in, the, in all of our agendas to to actually align. And so it happens that finally we got this done. Yeah, I'm excited. Finding me stationary in one city isn't the easiest thing these days, but uh, happy we uh, we got it to work out. Well, I mean, look, you're somebody who's who's kind of seen security from multiple aspects, either as a supervisor. You spent some time as an intern with NCIS, not to be, you know, you were that guy on the TV show, I guess. But also you were a detective and you still serve your community through uh, law enforcement You've been a branch manager. You ran security and investigations over at Fox Group. You've been the associate director of global security, safety and technology. You were a consultant for state. We could spend 30 minutes just talking about that and your work, your work for the Department of State. And of course, you know, founder uh, of, uh, of RAS Consulting and, and Hivewatch. I, I'm curious, Ryan, like what's driven your journey to get into security and then continue along the pathway to say, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to go from, from maybe operations to, to management and then ultimately over at Hivewatch where you, you kind of, to me, it looks like you've taken all that experience and brought it to bear in, in one place. Yeah, I think that's generally right. Um, you know, as, a, as an entrepreneur, I, I like to think that each of the different things I did through my background was kind of a, a stepping stone of sorts to to the next thing that I did. So uh, most of my career has been driven by frustration about the way that that things have always been done. And if you follow me, you see me talk about that a lot. And I'm sure it's on most pages of our website. But um, but it really is true. I mean, law enforcement being you know one of the oldest and most antiquated industries, um, but it's an important one. And the mission of law enforcement is important. And so. Um, when I became a cop and realized that the criminals were ahead of us in their use of technology and how antiquated the laws were with regard to how we could and couldn't leverage technology to conduct criminal investigations and um, trying to keep up and catch people and prosecute people um, while 
leveraging tech that's in some cases decades older than you know what the the bad folks are using uh, became an, an interesting mission of mine and it's part of why I went and got a master's in IT and system design. It's why I got into computer crimes early in the days, social media and and smartphones. And, and I always say it sounds stupid saying smartphones now because it's like just phone. Um, <laughs> but at the time, it was a novel way to find data and find ways to operationalize data to find and prosecute criminals. I mean, I think about, well, first, first question I have for you is, you said as an entrepreneur, do you, have you always felt that you are entrepreneurial or um, maybe if we're coming from a military side, expeditionary in your mindset throughout your entire career? Or is that something over time that kind of came in you said, hey, look, this really is kind of my side passion of this, you know, my, my primary passion of, you know, serving community and, and helping keep people safe. So I see myself as a problem solver. I actually hate the word entrepreneur. Um, and it just may be a bias, but every time I hear somebody call themselves an entrepreneur in my head, all I can hear is unemployed. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, most of what I've done, whether it was in law enforcement and, and through my journey of starting, uh, RAS and our GSOC business and ultimately hive watch was all about finding and solving problems uh, that plagued me as as an end user, and before I went out to start a company to solve it, really examining the space and saying, "What's out there today to help solve the problem?" No, it's not adequate. Okay, I will go do it myself and and help what I needed when when I was an end user uh, of that. And uh, so, problem solving and um, finding new innovative ways to do things more efficiently and more effectively is is really what I am. No. And I love that idea of like, look, being, being a problem solver or a fixer, you know, many people, you know, I, I have a background in protective operations. Most of the best that I know have the similar discussion that, that, you, that you just had, which look, I, I view myself as a fixer or a problem solver. I don't view myself as the body person. I don't view myself as the door kicker. I view myself as someone who looks, stands back, looks at the landscape and says, here's the anomaly. What are we going to do about that? Clearly, I love the the discussion about the smartphone too. I mean, you said you were in early on. So, I mean, you've seen probably data go from, you know, very much a push to now telemetry is everywhere. And it's something that's collected in in far more uh, usable than maybe when you and or I first entered into the you know the security industry. Well, it's pretty incredible the amount of of data that's out there. I think people by and large are more aware of the data today than they certainly were back in the early days of of social media and and smart devices and you know as connected homes were becoming more relevant and you know just more and more electronics becoming a part of of everyday life. But um, you know, one of the pieces in slow industries like physical security is lack of data isn't the issue. And it's really never been the issue. It's, it's how data is effectively collected and operationalized. That's always what slowed things down. Yeah, absolutely. I've, you know, I've heard uh, Dick Lake, who's been on our podcast before, uh, years ago, say, like, look, big data is the analyst problem. It's all there. We're just collecting 
we're collecting the dots far more um, in a capable manner than than we used to. So now the analysts or the people who are receiving the data it becomes far more their problem because we're getting it from so many sources. I mean, I can only imagine you in your you know what in the security industry looking at as you know data data sources start becoming more viable and all these signals start coming in looking at saying here's a problem was is that accurate is that an accurate of a young ryan looking at all the 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 telemetry that he's got to deal with yeah so it's you've got all of these data sources that are driving in independent data sources and then of course you need to take data to make meaningful information out of it and so now you look at like where the rubber meets the road with technology and people and in slow to evolve industries like ours, um, a lot of times making sense of that data is throwing more people at the problem. And so there's this next layer of what sits on top of all of this data to make it meaningful information. And then how do we take that meaningful information and actually perform our function? So in our role, it's how do we provide better security? How do we, if we're a corporate security entity, how do we t- protect our people, brand, and assets better by using all of this stuff that we have. And by the way, we don't have millions and millions of dollars to throw at more people to manually aggregate it. So now we need to get smarter about how we collect it, how we use it, and and what we actually do with it. It strikes me as you're talking as much about change management and cultural change as you are operational change, or as you said, operationalizing the way that we we manage the data. And I think about it again, like, look, we have all these massive bureaucracies, whether it's the military, law enforcement, um, big corporation, or security provider, and you're dealing with a lineage of, of culture change, and you're going to walk in and say, hey, look, we're going to help you manage and look, we, sh- we need to look and manage data in different ways. I mean, what kinds of... Uh, what kind of obstacles have you come up with in your career to change management? Well, I think fear of the unknown is probably the biggest one. Um, you know, I as a as a former cop myself, you know, it's there's a lot of people in our space that are maybe great security leaders, but don't have deep technology backgrounds, and sometimes rather than surrounding themselves with with domain experts and people who can help understand the technology and how that technology can be leveraged to improve the program, that technology starts getting seen as a risk to to their job, to their program, to whatever it is that they've been building over time, when in fact, it really should be a force multiplier. I'm not a person that thinks that AI or technology is going to get rid of all the people in security. That's not possible. Um, I think technology has a really important place in our space, but security is always going to require a human to understand context and understand nuance and ultimately make a decision that could impact whether or not somebody's life is harmed or protected or what happens to a brand. That's not something that organizations are going to entrust to AI or a model, but that person who ultimately needs to make the decision needs to be equipped with the best information as quickly as possible. And that's where technology becomes that force multiplier. And by embracing that, you have the ability to look great. It's not a risk to, to your program or to your job. 
But I think I absolutely agree with you. And I think at some point we're reticent to take the leap or reticent to step in. You know, we have a part of, like you said, problem solving. If you're in security or risk management, you're a leader and you need to come and examine the playing field like, oh, my gosh, I need to hire somebody that maybe understands Scrum or somebody that understands, you know, can speak binary for me or, as opposed to just one more security person. But that's scary because you're right now. I don't, you know, that means one less close protection agent, one less risk intelligence person, one less investigator. But I, I think those who lean into that adaptability or adaptive mindset to understand, like, look, again, we need to problem solve in order to force multiply. Let's bring somebody in who understands these non-traditional security issues to help us with things like technology, AI, machine learning, other things that, you know, that aren't traditionally in our wheelhouse. I mean, is this something you come up against a lot? It is periodically. I think, you know, there's there's a shift happening a bit in physical security. We we've seen it start uh, over the last few years. I think COVID has certainly accelerated conversations around converging physical and cyber. Um, shift to to cloud is, I mean, if you haven't done it, you're way behind. It's not the future. Um, and I think within organizations where historically we may have seen physical security starting to report to, or where we've historically seen physical security reporting to facilities or HR or finance, we're starting to see physical security now more report through the CISO, the CTO, the CIO. And those organizations, number one, they have way bigger budgets. So like embrace that. But number two, um, the expectations of those programs around data, around technology, around change management, around agile processes and, and working in sprints and, and all of those things that within technology orgs have been uh, commonplace for a long time are still new to folks in our realm. And so like learning it, embracing it, uh, because it really has the ability to to take the program to the next level. And I think if you look at your program from a macro level and say, okay, these are the things that that we're doing, and likely you've been doing those things for a long time. And so break those things down into individual products within your security program and look at it and say, why are we doing this? And why are we doing it this way? Um, and there really should be a good data-driven answer for it and what value it brings to, to the organization and ultimately to the mission of your program. Because if the answer is anywhere along the lines of we're doing it like this because we've always done it that way, then that's a problem. We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, I wanted to tell you a little bit about Ontic's Center for Connected Intelligence. In the world of safety, security, and protection, we know that gathering and sharing information is crucial. That is why we created the Ontic Center for Connected Intelligence. The center is a hub for the ongoing exchange of security strategies and best practices, insights on current and past trends, and sharing valuable learnings through expert discussion and analysis. It's made up of seasoned experts with decades of experience, across a wide range of disciplines. To find blogs, podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more, check out the center by visiting ontic.co slash center. That's 
www.ontic.co forward slash center. You know, there's this phrase like a revolution in leadership, meaning like you're at a point or a nexus of change. And I believe we are mid stride of a revolution in security leadership. And by that, I mean, there are enough people who are coming on who weren't like perhaps you and I, Ryan, were like, hey, we understand when we saw the smartphone come into play. They they deal with that every day. This idea of data-driven uh, decision-making, I mean, I think it's becoming more commonplace. So I agree with you. I think we're on the cusp of seeing a new generation of security leaders stepping into this place that understand like, look, it, you know, we, we can't sell by fear. We need to understand the metrics and the data and the threat. And we need to speak to that because at the end of the day, we, you know, we are, if you're in an organization, if you're in a corporation, you're talking about some return on investment. If you're uh, in some other organization, there are, you're also looking at budgetary issues. By the way, we're not saying life safety has a number on it, but we, I think we're saying that you just, we're seeing people that are coming into the industry that are far more uh, fluid and willing to embrace change. Well, and I think if you look at how security leaders have historically made purchase decisions and looked at technology and looked at different pieces of the program, you hear a lot of talk around security as a cost center. Um, but I think that new age of security leader that you were referencing, the conversation is really around security as a business enabler. Um, and whether or not you can find a way for your security program to drive revenue, because there are effective security programs that I've seen that actually contribute to the bottom line of the company. That doesn't need to be the primary goal of security. And in some cases, that could be negative. Um, however, security can and should be a business enabler. Um, and so understanding what does your organization do? What's the mission? What drives the bottom line? And how can we work towards achieving that? while also accomplishing our mission of protecting people, protecting brand and protecting our assets. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our business is risk, you know, I, and I agree with you. I mean, look, that's we, a formula. Yeah. We're, we're a cost center. Sure. But there is something about, you know, costs of goods sold or return on investment, return on risk, risk investment, all those things. But at the end of the day, I think you're right. Understanding that, look, we're a business center. Our business just happens to be security. So we're going to look at it that way. That I think if we start thinking about that way and thinking as ourselves as business leaders, that doesn't mean culturally or that we can't we can't still be security leaders. We can't still be you know as you we mentioned earlier problem solvers, or or even that place you go to you know to break glass in case of case of emergency. But I, I absolutely agree. Like hey, look, it's okay to view yourself as a business leader and a security leader. You should view yourself as a business leader. And when you do that, you will actually start finding that you have a more impactful seat at the table with the rest of the business leaders. Now, I want to shift just for a second here, Ryan. And, you know, I, you know, Hive Watch's mission is to, quote, facilitate better communication and operations by empowering the modern security team with data forward insights and solutions by creating a diverse team that encourages innovation. Hivewatch strives to change the status quo of the security industry. Now, when I read that, my first question for you is, how did Hivewatch come to be and how did you, what drove this mission statement? Yeah, well, and I'll give you our three-word mission statement, which is safety through data. 
um, which is what you just read in in a lot less words. Um, I think, I think that, you know, when I talk about the stepping stones of, of my career, you know, moving in, in law enforcement into computer crimes and investigations, and then becoming a state department instructor, and then working for one of the largest guarding companies in the world. And then I went in-house to a fortune 500 customer. And that's where I really got to see, uh, how investigations work. But when I ran security technology, seeing, you know, we have this big, expensive global security operations center, and we've got this amazing mission to protect people across all these different brands that people know and, and some that they don't know um, in all areas of the world and really enable business where, you know, if we have to shoot a show in, in Afghanistan for National Geographic, like you have to protect the crew and the people and the cast the same way that you would if you're shooting at a studio in Los Angeles. Um, and understanding how you think about protective intelligence, how you think about uh, travel safety, how you think about your use of, of technology, how you tie in different cultural norms around the world and put that together into, into a cohesive program. And so that's what got really exciting for me and, and how to leverage technology first to help those programs do that more efficiently. And that's why I left and started a consulting firm. And that was the focus for us is working with growth companies, build tech forward security programs. And then we found this niche in hyper growth, mostly venture backed companies as they were going from like series B, series C into most cases, global companies with offices everywhere, um, employees starting to travel a lot, but they didn't have GSOCs. Um, and so the question was, how do we actually provide this duty of care and level of protection for our employees when in some cases they didn't even have their first physical security hire on the team? They probably had a cyber team, but nobody thinking about people, facilities, things like that. And so we launched a GSOC as a service for those companies. Um, and then the next problem we found as we connected to more and more companies was the nature of disparate systems that don't natively talk to each other. And you've got these legacy access control and video systems and risk intel systems and corporate travel systems and social media monitoring and mass comms and, and all of these things. And they're all maybe good systems in and of themselves. But how do you take that data that comes from all of those different systems and actually do that efficient decision-making? And, and that uh, really was the thesis behind Hive Watch and and why we started the company to to help solve that problem. Well, it's interesting. You're right. You end up with these Frankenstein systems that are all good. They're all pieced together through virtual duct tape or, or however. But at the end of the day, you it becomes the analyst problem. Whether I'm the analyst sitting in a GSOC or I'm a protective intel or a geopolitical intel analyst, I have 15 different great systems that I need to go make something happen. So now your focus becomes more on what was my password to get into here, to collect the dots, <laughs> right. to do the things, as opposed to like, what did I really pay that person to do, to be an analyst, to be, you know, an operator or to be in operations. And I, I and I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious, was there a moment or can you recall a moment when it, when what would become Hive Watch, like this was my moment where I was like, yes, I'm going to do this because... Or was it just, as you say, over a period of time, it just, it just grew in you? So 
part of it was our ability as a managed service provider to do this effectively at scale for lots of companies was really challenging. And so I said, certainly there's got to be software on the market that helps with this. And we went and looked at all the PSIMs out there. And I really I still had no intention of building a software company. I wanted to find some software that even if we had to do slight modifications to, would work but, for... But by, but by the way, how many awesome businesses started with the term, there must be somebody out there doing this? Oh, I'm sure a ton. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there was absolutely a, um, you know, I, I don't know if we're allowed to curse here. So F it moment, we're going to do it ourselves. Um, and that was driven largely by, um, fr frustration again, but like looking at the solutions that were out there and we'd say like, yeah, it's great that you do that. But like, number one, I need this to be in the cloud. And even just looking at people's faces, when we said cloud native application, um, and just the look of, I have no clue what you're talking about, or companies don't do the cloud. This is security. Or, I mean, there's a list of responses I could give you. Um, and then, you know, we sat down, I remember sitting down with, uh, two people, two other people that are currently on our team or still on our team, uh, in a conference room with a whiteboard and we mapped out data input or data output from other system and data that comes in and then what systems talk to each other and then ultimately like what's the optimal output on the right side of the board in terms of how they talk together and then like what that drives for the program. Um, and that picture on the whiteboard is really what we use to drive, you know, what Hivewatch is so far today and what our product roadmap is for, for the next, you know, year plus um, because that was really informed by problems across every company that that any of us ever worked with all of our consulting customers our managed service customers this wasn't like we decided to start a software company and we built some stuff and then like did our best to make it fit a problem um this was a very specific problem that informed the product that we built and um that's why i'm so proud of it i, I love it and i also love the point of like, hey, look, we're going to service these companies that are going from, say, startup to the next phase or from the next phase to IPO or whatever that might be, because I believe you're right. There often there's that moment where like, hey, we're going to let's like discount security. Uh, we have mm -hmm. to have a cyber person. So we got them online. We're, we're, but what do we do now? You know, oh, I, you know, what do we do now? Now, we're, now not only are we growing, our numbers are growing, but as we have growth and as we have the ability um, to be successful, you know, that also, you know, that also could bring the eye of Sauron on us, if you will. You know, the bad guys and bad actors are looking at us. And now, you know, there is a, you know, I, I think it's great to have a hive watch out there. This is, look, we're going to service not only, you know, not only just that groups, but others, but that one in particular, it's not an area that you often hear security people uh, involved in, you know? No. And I mean, that as a business leader, that's great because it's also a underserved market that needs what we ha have. And um, it's also a very low competitive market. Um, and so we weren't really competing with anybody for that business. Now, you know, today that's not our sole focus, but it's where we started. Um, and we learned a ton there uh, because nobody moves faster and evolves quicker than startups. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great. And I, I know you 
HiveWatch has a myriad of customers, and you see a, a you know a full gamut of of security leaders and operators. I'm curious, like you know, everyone asks, like, here's the trends in security and this and that. But I, you know, you're in the trenches, and you're also clearly someone who's thinking about problem solving from a very strategic, you know, let's call it a three dimensional view. What Ryan, what are you seeing, and what are you observing in in the industry that that you think is notable? Well, I talked a little bit about the transition of where physical security actually reports in the org. I think that helps inform some of the technological shifts that we're seeing. Um, and so, you know, here's the part of my my talk where I'll throw out some buzzwords like AI and ML um, and uh, analytics. Uh, but really, it's all about leveraging the evolution of advanced technology to drive the program forward faster. So, um, you know, in, in our world, that could be false alarm reduction, or it can be tailgating detection, or it can be normalizing data across disparate systems that don't talk to each other natively. Um, but like that's all driving operational efficiency within the programs. Um, and then I think the shift from, you know, security, as I said before, may continue to be a cost center, but security should and needs to be a business enabler. And so when you can take the data and not just use it for security functions, but start adding uh, interdepartment collaboration with your data. So if your cameras can enable the facilities department or the marketing team, if you're in retail or, um, you know, we've got uh, clients that are in the commercial real estate space and they have to provide data to retail tenants about foot traffic on the streets. Um, you know, or, you know, I listened to something the other day where they were talking about blast film on the windows and like, yes, it provides a security function, but actually provides a huge cost savings in terms of HVAC and temperature control. Um, and so starting to think about that big picture of, um, what other value your security initiatives can drive to other departments within the organization. Ryan, what you're really talking about is making the security function accessible to everybody, right? Yeah, I think as as security people and ex-cops and ex-feds and ex-military, and, and we tend to sort of operate in in silos, we tend to sort of keep things close to us in terms of what we're doing and what our programs are and and what's entailed. And we do a very bad job of marketing security to to the organization and letting people know what's actually going on. Uh, Because the reality is, you know, as you start marketing your initiatives, one, security is going to have different visibility within the organization. People are going to find more value. Other departments are going to find more value. You might find a bigger budget in terms of cross-department budgeting if you can provide actual tangible value to other departments. Um, And as I alluded to earlier, too, security leaders are really going to be seen more as thought leaders and business leaders with uh, a seat at the table. That's a great point, and it should be underscored by everyone listening. Look, we can't just be seen as the, quote, no department, but we should be seen as a department that people go to or other uh, lines of business come to in order to help drive their initiatives, right? Totally. You know, the the real estate team should be um, 
collaborating with security as you're evaluating new properties so that they can advise on uh, crime in the area and like there may be a substantial impact to security spend and protecting employees if you choose an office here versus three blocks from here. Ryan, that's a great statement because if you think about it, what we're really trying to do is get in front of as many problems or issues as we can. As we can. I mean, um, you know, if we're on the cyber side, we might say left a boom or a physical side, left a bang, but identifying and helping mitigate issues early on is is very important. Yeah, that's a huge part of, you know, everybody talks about moving from reactive to proactive. And um, a lot of that can be just re- relationship driven within within the organization. And, you know, on the topic of driving business value, I was talking to to a colleague here earlier this morning for one of our clients where they released some data and uh, the percentage of loss through supply chain. In this case, it was particularly around copper. Um, and there's so much opportunity there for security to say, okay, our business is having this supply chain issue. Supply chain ultimately drives the business of the organization. So rather than us just saying as a company, we're going to budget X dollars every year for this loss, how can I enable the business by finding proactive measures to protect my supply chain or to reduce my shrinkage here or do these specific things that like maybe we spend a few hundred thousand dollars, maybe we spend a million dollars, but the loss of the company was 50 million or a hundred million. That's a great ROI. Um, and starting to think about the business case behind those measures. Yeah, this is great. And as we think about security as a business, I mean, I had an old boss that used to say, we're business leaders, our business just happens to be security. Much of what you're talking about here, especially with supply chain and other things, Ryan, is really about like adding value. But I think we as security practitioners often have trouble like discussing the value or showcasing the value of what we do. Um, any thoughts around that? If you work for a big company, you probably have an internal comms team. And I can probably count on one hand the number of times I've seen security departments in big companies leverage the internal comms team to help with marketing and internal communications, not just of maybe services that security can provide to the organization, but uh, in terms of celebrating wins and great things that the team's done and how you've enabled the business or how you protected something. Um, that's a that's a big missed opportunity, in my opinion. Yeah, Ryan, absolutely, completely agree with you. We need to utilize these teams just like they're utilizing us to mitigate issues. We can turn to them and say, here's the issues we have, especially columns. As long as they understand what it is you're trying to do, how it aligns to your organizational goals um, and how those goals are aligning to the company goals. I mean, I, I feel they're probably more than happy to help. Ryan, you operate in the tech space and you talk to a lot of organizations. I mean, what are your thoughts around technology and, and how it's being utilized in this space? Yeah, I mean, I'm super bullish on tech, obviously. Um, I think AI has massive application in physical and corporate security and, and government security operations. Um, and I think that the most effective leaders will find uh, find the sweet spot where, where the rubber meets the road of technology and operations and figuring out how do we leverage AI or whatever future state technology is 
to streamline and improve operations, not either or, um, and also not see emerging technology as, as a risk. Ryan, it's been great having you on the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. There's lots of other things that I want to talk to you about. Um, but for those people who want to interact with you and get more from Ryan, understand more about Hive Watch and what you all are, are following and what you personally are talking about, what's the best way they can do that? So I'm definitely most active on my LinkedIn. Um, and so Ryan Schoenfeld and LinkedIn would be the, uh, the best way to find me. And, and Hive Watch certainly does its fair share of, of posting on LinkedIn as well. Ryan, thank you so much for your time, all that you're doing, and thanks for being part of the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast, my friend. Yeah, likewise. Thanks again for having me. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Connected Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co slash center. Again, that's ontic.co forward slash center. It was produced by A.J. McKeon. Our music is a track called Monteverde Ride, and it was written by Brian Bristow and performed by the Smokin' Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.co or visit ontic.co slash center for more information. Thanks for listening.